You're listening to the Dwell on These Things podcast, a regular dose of Christ-centered encouragement to put your mind in a better place. Listen in as Pastor John Stonge shares Bible studies, interviews, training, and some of his most recent sermons. We're glad to have you with us today. You're listening to the Dwell on These Things podcast. I'm John Stonge, and my guest today is Andy Storch. Andy is the author of Own Your Career, Own Your Life. In fact, if you're watching us on YouTube right now, I have a copy of it right here in my hands. You can see Andy there as well. Andy also hosts uh, a podcast by the same name. Again, Own Your Career, Own Your Life. He could be found online at Andy Storch. Dot com. Andy, welcome to the Dwell on These Things podcast. It's great to have you with us today. Well, John, thank you so much. Uh, you and I have gotten to know each other pretty well over the last, I don't know, year or so, and I've been looking forward to this for a long time. I'm excited. This is fun. I, I was really glad that you, you were able to carve out time for us today, and I'm excited to introduce you to, to our audience here on Dwell on These Things. And I wonder if you could just tell us a little bit more about yourself and maybe fill in the blanks on some of the things that, that you're working on these days. Sure. Um, you know, you and I have uh, a lot in common, some things that differ we'll talk about today, but we have a lot in common and that we love to do a lot of different things for, we love to make an impact on the world. So I've got the book you mentioned, uh, I actually have two podcasts, uh, the own your career podcast and the talent development hot seat. Um, I'm a bit of a connector in the corporate talent development world. I run a podcast and a membership community called the talent development think tank. And on the career side, I've got the book and I do a lot of speaking and uh, training programs that I run for big companies. I'm also hosting a, a, a virtual summit soon called the Own Your Career Summit. Uh, and so a lot of stuff in the talent development world and in the career development world. And then more personally, I am a husband, uh, married to my wife, Courtney, for 17 years and a father. I've got two kids over seven and five, and we live in sunny Orlando, Florida. Sunny Orlando, Florida, which I spend half the year being jealous about because I'm in not so sunny Northeast or Southeast Pennsylvania, I should say. And, uh, and, you know, here, you know, you get the good weather when we get the bad weather. So, uh, I flip flop. That's why the snowbirds do what they do. Right. I want to do that someday. I I think that's going to be me, but we'll, we'll see. I, I I might have to do some persuading. Uh, I'm not sure that Andrea is as enthusiastic about that idea as I am, but I envision myself someday in the future doing that. But so, so, um, I'll tell uh, everyone in just a minute here, how our conversation today, the idea for it came about, but even before I do, there's something different about you compared to some of the other guests that we've had here on our show that I want to start off with, because it's going to show everybody uh, kind of the the basis or just kind of some of the background for what we decided to do today. So for starters, Andy, how would you describe your religious faith? All right. Um, I love to say there's something different about you. We should make people spot, like try to find it. Like what is different about him? What's you have different three, about him? Do you have three arms? Um, <laughs> so my religious faith, uh, I guess the easy answer I would say is there is none. I, I don't have a religious faith. So, um, but you know, the, the, the longer or the quick background, I, I grew up in a fairly non-religious home. My father's Jewish. My mother was, I'd say, non-practicing Methodist. She had grown up going to Methodist church. Uh, and we didn't really speak too much about religion in my house, other than my father would teach us about the Jewish holidays and a little bit of Jewish history. He was very big on that and the culture. And I would study, you know, sort of what happened, uh, you know, in Jewish history. Um, but there was definitely no push of religion. We did celebrate Christmas and Hanukkah, uh, but you know, that was an Easter, but that's kind of it. 
And, um, you know, growing up, I've always been very curious and, and into learning about a lot of things. And I've gone to some religious services, both in church and in temple, and certainly made friends from lots of different areas and different faiths, but nothing has ever been attractive to me. And, and I take, I think, I guess more of a, what I would call a scientific uh, approach to the world and thinking about things. And I like to think of myself as open-minded. So, you know, I don't know if I believe if there is a God or not. I don't know if I believe that anything uh, in, you know, religious texts like the Bible happened or not. Um, I have a hard time believing in most of what I hear come out of religion. Um, but what I do believe in that I think aligns with Christianity and many other religions is I believe in being kind, being generous, treating people well, um, you know, being a great friend and servant leader, um, you know, being a great steward of things, being a good father and husband, um, things that are often taught in religious contexts, but I think can be done without the norms of religion. So that's kind of where I am, I guess you would say from a religious standpoint. And then I would just add, you know, spiritually, I'm into mindfulness and meditation and yoga. I practice those things on a regular basis. And I find that has helped me find a little bit of spirituality and connecting with, I would say the, the planet and the universe and, you know, whatever I'm finding is out there. Uh, it just hasn't for me been in a, a formal religious context. So uh, now I don't want to put words in your mouth. So if this is not the right way to describe where you're at, please correct me. But at, at one point, uh, at, did you describe yourself to me as an atheist or not? I don't think I ever did, because for me, um, and this could be a great foundation for our talk, we, our, our conversation we get into it is that I, I don't love rules, right? And I don't like <laughs> to be confined to something. Uh, for instance, I've been changing a lot of things with my diet lately. And I've gone to what I call a more plant-based diet. And I was talking to my daughter and my wife about it this morning. I don't think I'll, I will never be consider myself vegan because there's too many rules <laughs> to that. Right. Um, you know, to me, an atheist is someone who adamantly believes that there is no God. Right. Mm -hmm. Whereas I'm very open to that. I believe that there, you know, there could be, or there might not be. Um, and either way, I'm going to go about living my life, trying to be the best person I can be and, and adding value to the world. Yeah, that's yeah. I, I wanted to be careful that I I don't give you a label that that you haven't adopted here. I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. The but uh, so I want to give my listeners a little bit of history on how this conversation that you and I are having today mm -hmm. actually came about. So Andy and I were both attending the same retreat in Pittsburgh back in April, and it was a retreat with a variety of authors and and podcasters and and bloggers and and different people that are you know in some respects, creating different information products and things like that. We got together and uh, Andy's in Florida, but he has some relatives that are somewhat close to where I live. Now, Pittsburgh, where the conference was, is about five hours from where I live. And Andy said, hey, is there any chance I might just be able to ride back to your county, to Bucks County, Pennsylvania, uh, with you? And, uh, you know, and just enjoy the ride back with you instead of trying to find a ride to Bucks County from Pittsburgh in any other way. And I said, uh, jokingly, I said to Andy, I said, you know, Andy, don't you think that's a little dangerous? Like we come from very different worldviews. And so so your view on God and my view on God are very different. Do you really want to be trapped in the car with a pastor for five hours? Do you really want to do that? And he's like, yeah, sure. Why not? And so, of course. And, uh, yeah, of course. 
And Andy and I are good friends. And, and so, um, you know, we were joking about that for a minute. And then I said, oh, you know what we ought to do? Because we're both podcasters, too. I said, I have a setup where while we're driving, we could just have a conversation where we just discuss the differences in our worldviews, the similarities in our worldviews, and just ask each other the, t- the type of questions that, that people don't usually get to ask each other. Because most mm. of the time, in my experience, conversations of a religious nature tend to become combative. Right. And it really and it's unfortunate because I think that really results in people actually not having these conversations. Right. And it's pretty rare that you can find so it's pretty rare sometimes in 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 my um in my sphere where I'll I'll meet somebody like Andy who is totally open to having a conversation like this and I would suspect that it's pretty rare in your sphere where somebody from my side of this aisle would say, Andy, like you, you and I are genuinely friends. We should totally talk about this and yeah. record the conversation. Well, one of the reasons I was eager to have that conversation and, and this conversation and talk with you about it is because I know you are open to having that conversation and I can learn from you and you can maybe learn from me um, as opposed to one of the reasons why I shy away from uh, formal religion and I bristle and I wouldn't want to be trapped in the car with probably half the pastors <laughs> in America is because I find a lot of people uh, approach things, frankly, from a smug, um, arrogant perspective, which is that means I know I'm right and you are wrong and I have nothing to learn from you. And therefore, I don't I'm not interested in having that conversation because, you know, you're just going to be if you're going to be telling me why I'm wrong. And I've had many people tell me. Uh, again, I'm not interested in that conversation, but I know you're not that person. Uh, in fact, you know, we've had many interactions. We have so much in common, so many things that we talk with each other, learn from each other about, about business and podcasting and books and all those things. Um, you've never once brought up religion, uh, to me or anyone else around me, you know, without it being in somehow in context of the conversation. Whereas, you know, I find other people, you know, we'll say typically evangelical Christians, right. Who are just like, find a way to bring it up to find out where you are and if they could bring you over to their side. And and most of the time, not in the mood for that. Yeah. And ironically, I consider myself an evangelical Christian, which is, um, you know, like probably ironic in, in that, that, that label or that perspective, I, you know, in, in hearing you say that your perspective is that, um, you know, someone from my perspective is going to try and argue with you. And uh, and and that's something that I hope our conversation could be helpful for others to see, because I I could tell you personally, and this is where you and I are very similar. I don't think anyone's ever convinced me of anything by arguing with me. And (laughs) I don't think that like I anything I believe, I don't think anyone argued me into believing it. I just don't think it happened that way. I don't understand all the political arguments on social media. Right. (laughs) It's like, well, well, I'm so glad you posted that uh, criticizing my. Um, my favorite candidate, because now, yeah, you know what? I, you're right. I, you talked, you, 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 you know, posted all these unfounded uh, accusations. I think I'm going to come over to your side, but you see it all the time and people arguing back and forth. Uh, and I made a, and you know, maybe I'm, I'm taking this into politics, but I find they're often connected. Uh, you know, I made this kind of pledge to myself several years ago that I would no longer engage in political arguments on social media. And I think my life has been so much happier (laughs) as a result. 
Uh, yeah, yeah, I don't I don't do that either. I, I'm I'm uh, no politics on my social media. And yeah. uh, and it's and it's on purpose. And, and I'll be honest with you, the you know, the people that are constantly posting politics, I usually make a point to to take a break from seeing them in my feed yep. because I, I do get tired of it. And so so he, here's what we what Andy and I have kind of set up here for our conversation. It's a little bit fluid because we're just going to we're just going to roll with it here. I'm going to ask Andy some things. He's going to ask me some things. But you're going to notice our conversation is going to be different. It's actually going to be a conversation. My goal is not to convince Andy of anything. I don't think his goal is to try and convince me of anything. The idea is that we would just spend some time asking each other questions, learning more about each other as friends, and then listening to one another's response. And, um, and you know, I'll, I'll tell you something else that I really appreciate about Andy, and I hope he doesn't mind me saying this. I have watched Andy over the course of, we've known each other for about a year and a half. Mm-hmm. Uh, I first met you in, uh, I think it was like March of 2020. And right. um, so I've known you for a, a, about a year and a half now. And I have watched Andy in the midst of that go through one of the greatest trials in his life uh, thus far. He just recovered from a bout with cancer. And, uh, you know, it's I, I watched him go through that. And I and I, I really feel like, you know, when we're talking about things we could learn from each other. There were a lot of things I learned from you, Andy, in watching you go through that that are really instructive, I think, for anybody, because you navigated that season so well, and I'm so grateful to see your recovery and how well you're doing. But, you know, I I don't recall at any point during that time uh, a complaint coming from your mouth that I heard. I'm sure that, you know, maybe somewhere, somewhere, maybe Courtney heard that. I don't know. But we, I don't, you don't seem to go about your life in such a way that you're looking to complain about something. I don't believe in complaining. I don't think it really helps anything or anybody. Right. And I'm a big believer in taking ownership, personal responsibility of both your career. That's my book is about uh, of your health uh, of your life. And of course there are things that are outside of our control, I got testicular cancer um, that was arguably outside of my control. I think there are things that we do to ourselves, you know, whether we're around pollution or eating a terrible diet, um, putting ourselves under stress, not eating enough, you know, getting enough sleep that can cause cancer. And I don't know what led to that. I certainly asked that question. Um, but when these things come up, I'm going to deal with them as best I can and, uh, and try not to complain. And then, you know, use it as an opportunity, of course, to, uh, try to help and inspire others, which is what I was doing. But to go back to your original story about how this came about, that's why we never did the car interview because mm-hmm. I was going through cancer treatment and I was kind of at the tail end of my treatment. Uh, and I actually went for, because I'm very big into taking a holistic approach and natural, uh, all these different things. I had done this treatment uh, and they said, you know, you really do not, you shouldn't be traveling the next week. And the next week was when we were going for that that uh, retreat together. So I missed that uh, because of the cancer and it was the right, you know, the right decision for me and my health, but I was sad to miss it. uh, And I'm glad we're able to make it up today. Yeah, me too. Yeah, because we've been talking about it for months. We're like, hey, we still should do that, you know, and <laughs> right. it, there are other ways to do it. We don't have to be locked in a car on the Pennsylvania Turnpike to have this <laughs> conversation. Right. Um, so, all right. So I have I have six questions on my list, but you already answered the first one. Okay. Um, so I'm going to jump to um, my first question was basically this. What is your faith origin? Yeah. How did you come to believe what you believe? So is there anything addition additional to that that you'd want to add? Um, I don't know if I would add much else other than, you know, I talked about my background with my parents and my family. I think that most people are heavily influenced by their parents and 
their peers early on way more than they realize or give credit to. Mm-hmm. Obviously, if my parents had been very religious and I, and I went to church every day, I might be in a different position, right? Um, and I know you came, you grew up in a very religious Christian setting, right? And that, that kind of sets you on the path. Obviously, we grow sort up of. and we make our own decisions. Oh, would, would you, yeah, how would you add to that? Um, so I grew up in a church going family. Yeah. Um, and we were pretty regular with our, our church attendance, but as far as faith connecting to life outside of that weekly Mm -hmm. Sunday morning meeting, it, that wasn't really the case for the early season of my life. And, uh, our family just completely, I mean, it really disintegrated right around the time I was age eight. Mm. And, uh, we, we moved a whole bunch. I moved about 12 times before I graduated high school uh, different apartments, different places. You know, our family was just in shambles at that period. And in the midst of that, when I was about nine or 10 years old, uh, someone that my mother knew when we moved to a new area invited us to uh, become part of their church and, or to come and visit it, I think is kind of how it went. So we went and visited it. And then someone at that church said, you know, we have a summer camp where, uh, you know, the church helps pay for, for kids to, to go to summer camp. Do you, would your kids be interested in that? I have two younger sisters as well. And it was a church run camp. And, um, and it was at that camp that I came to faith in Jesus when I was about 10 years old. It was the summer mm. I turned 10. Excellent. And, so uh, yeah, we, we have those people and those events that influence us. And I remember some of those stories. I read your whole book, dwell on these things. It was excellent. Uh, you know, some things I agreed with and, and some I didn't, I took lots of notes, uh, so, you know, just to add that to the factor too, I don't just disregard anything out there that totally. has a religious context to it. And of course I have so much respect and admiration for things that you've done. I wanted to read, read that and put a review up and, and invite other people to read it as well. You, well, you did. And by the way, I've read Andy's book as well. I've got it here in my hands as well. So you could actually see it. Um, and, uh, I appreciate you, you saying that those kind of things. And actually I, you left a nice review on my book that, uh, I, I showed it to my wife. I said, that's just about the nicest review that, that anyone could leave. And, uh, and I, I thought how amazing that, that Andy would take the time I, again, like Andy, I, you're a special person. I don't know too many people that have a different worldview that would actually take the time. To, it takes time to read a book that you would take the time to read a book that I wrote and that you would actually take the time to leave a review on it on top of that. I don't yeah. know too many people that would do that. So I, I just appreciate that. I think it speaks a lot to uh, your character and just the type of guy that you are. Well, of course, I want to support you and everything you're doing because you're, you're a wonderful guy. Um, so speaking of that, can I ask you a question? Yes, go uh, for it. My list of questions that, that came oh, yeah. from the book. Uh, this is, this is, we're going to get into it here. All right, um, go for it. One of the things you talk about in your book is um, God's intention, uh, sorry, God's uh, unconditional love of yes. us as people on this earth, right? So my question is, how is it, how do you um, connect the, what I find to be a disconnect between what you describe as God's unconditional love and what I often hear from people that I'm essentially not loved by God unless I worship him, which sounds like a condition to me. Uh, and it's something that, of course, ter- is a turnoff. Yeah. So the 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 uh, the term in the Bible, like the the kind of love that it's that I was speaking about there, talks about like God's agape love. It's a Greek word. It just it's just this idea of you know that it's not like brotherly love or it's not like infatuation. It's the idea that God would look at us and say, 
you have all, so the Bible teaches that we've all set ourselves against God as his enemies, not just ambivalent to him, but that by nature, humanity has set ourselves against him as enemies and that he would say, okay, so that's how you're living. You're not seeking me. You don't desire my presence in your life, but I'm going to reach into your context and I'm going to provide the only opportunity for, for you to actually have um, new life, that, that you could be forgiven of this, that you could walk with me. And it's not based on you being able to deserve it or earn it. I'm offering it to you without a condition, meaning I'm, I'm offering it to you even though you, like you've done the opposite to earn it or the opposite to deserve it. And I think one of the, the things that is uh, like a, that really trip people up sometimes when they, they look at Christian faith, particularly from the outside, is it could probably seem like a whole bunch of rules or a whole bunch of lists that so many rules. Yeah. yeah. That, that people, and, and it's Every funny, religion. Like, yeah. And, and you know what, the ironic thing is like, that's the opposite of what I believe and the opposite of, of what I actually think is at the core of the gospel. So the, like, when you really look at what the Bible says, and there's so many people that, that, that like, I hear them talk about the Bible. And I think to myself, have they actually read it? Like, mm. they, did, like, did you actually read the thing? Because the thing tells you, that um that we broke all the rules like there there's right. a whole bunch of rules and it's like yes you've broken every single one it, it it's there to prove the point that you will break every single one and so god the father sends god the son jesus christ into the world to keep all of those things for us so that we can trust in him and be forgiven of our our rule breaking status and then so many people treat it where they they'll look at this and they'll say okay Great, now I'm a Christian, so now I need to add a whole bunch of additional things to my life that aren't even in the Bible, and we make up a whole bunch of things. And, yeah. and it's like, okay, does it actually say that, or is it inviting you to trust Jesus and then follow him out of love? You know, like my, I don't get, I don't wake up motivated every day to keep a bunch of rules, but mm. I do wake up every day to say, will I honor Christ with my life today? And if I honor him with my life today, I feel like I can look at it and say, all right, you know, that's that's the best that you could do. And uh, and I believe that he enables us to even want something like that, because I don't think naturally speaking, I think naturally yeah. speaking, I would want to please me. And so sure. you know, I look at that and I think, all right, that's something that that desire did not come from me. Right. OK. So, yeah, at a foundational level, uh, God or Jesus is is giving this opportunity to everyone. And then it's up to us what we do with it. Uh, right. And then, you know, there's kind of that foundational uh, element of, you know, follow, support, desire, Jesus and God. But many of these other rules are made up by people along the way. And of course, there's a lot of disagreement on what those rules are and who you should follow and what you need to do. But we don't necessarily have to follow all these rules. Yeah. Well, a lot of the things that people I, I hear described as rules, they're describing something where they think, all right, if I do this, I will earn the favor of God and he will love me. And if I don't do this, he won't love me. And then when you look at, at any instruction we're given in scripture, and obviously, you know, there's instruction in there of like, here's the right way to treat a person. Here's, you know, you know, like don't murder. You know, I don't look at something that says don't murder or don't be disparaging to other people as like a rule. You know what I mean? Right. In, in the sense where it's like, it's saying like, no, this is what it actually looks like to live wisely. Yeah. This is, this is wisdom lived out. And, um, not some oppressive rule. And so, you know, there's a totally different perspective. I think most people think God has a list and then we'll step before him and it'll be like, all right, let's see how close you got. No, and, that's Santa Claus that yeah. has the list. He's checking it twice. All right. Yeah. I, I've got more questions, but I want to pass it back to you so you can ask your questions as well. All right. My next question for you 
And by the way, this is, I'll tell you how I base my questions. My, my questions are based on my genuine curiosities. Hmm. Okay. So it's just Damn. based on like, I don't have some sort of major theological framework. No it's judgment. Just, I, yeah. Yeah. I'm just asking things I'm curious about. Do you believe the universe has order? Huh. That's an interesting question. Do I believe the universe has order? Uh, yes and no. I, I don't, gosh, I don't know how to answer that question. I think there is some order to things and, you know, we can see it in some of our, um, scientific elements and physics like gravity and, you know, the, the sun and stars and, um, things rotating there. I think there are sort of unseen or spiritual elements that, uh, you know, depending on different things, right? Like I may not believe in, um, some of the things that you believe in or, or talked about in church, but, basic elements like karma, like you put things out into the world and you get great things that come back to you. I believe strongly in things like that, um, you know, taking care of your yourself and your body. Um, but at the same time, you know, uh, from a scientific perspective, the theory is that the universe was born out of chaos, right? And that there is still sort of chaos in the world and the universe and things are unpredictable. But I guess it really comes down to your belief. You know, some people believe everything is set and happening for a reason, right? And Others believe everything is random and we're just kind of moving through life. And I know people who genuinely believe that we are actually inside a simulation right now. I think Elon Musk believes that, um, that we are actually in a computer simulation um, designed by a you know, much higher intelligent being than we are. Uh, and so, there, I mean, who knows, right? There's all kinds of theories. Cool. Okay. All right. That, <laughs> yeah, I was just curious because, um, you, you know, like I, I, I look at that and I, I think, I think perspective on, you know, just what's going on in our day-to-day life is impacted by whether or not we think I'm, we're in the midst of an orderly universe mm. or something that's not. I, I do think that that has like a, a, like a day-to-day impact. And so I thought, I, like, I obviously, I think you, you, know, you would know my answer to that. And yeah. so I thought, okay, so from someone coming from a different perspective, how do they view the concept of the universe having order or do they think of it as primarily yeah. a chaotic? I guess, from, I guess for me that that goes into the theme of like, we talked about cancer and things like that. Um, I believe strongly when it comes to owning your life. Uh, and for me, I like to focus my energy mostly on things that are in my control and try not to worry too much about things that are out of my control. So whether there is- You wrote is, that in your book, by the way. That's, that's I did, in right? your book. I've read your book, so I remember you talking about that. Yeah, and so like whether that's the universe or uh, you know, or religion, you know, whether there is or God or not, I, I'm not gonna spend too much time worrying about it. Same with politics, right? Like, do, you know, is the president making great decisions or is, you know, is he not, um, you know, I'm not going to get too worked up about it, whether I voted for him or her, or I agree with him or her. There's nothing I can do about it now other than vote in the next election. I'd rather focus my energy and time on, you know, being the best husband I can be, being the best father I can be, being the best entrepreneur I can be helping others. And I make plenty of mistakes like anybody else. Right? You know, you know. Um, but I find I'm more fulfilled when I'm focused on the things I can control rather than going back to the people that are always posting these political arguments and things on Facebook or whatever, these are things that are mostly out of your control. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. All right, your turn. Okay, so my turn, um, you know, relating back to my question about the conditional love, uh, I know there are many uh, Christians who believe that uh, in order to ascend to heaven or be rewarded at the end of your life, you need to accept Jesus as 
your savior, right? Mm -hmm. And I have a family member who strongly believes that. And I really don't have a relationship with her anymore because she has kind of lectured me on that and my, and my family and, and my wife doesn't agree with it. And I don't agree with it. And, and we don't really want to get into that conversation or talk to her anymore. So I think it, it one, it, I think it causes division. Um, but two, what I struggle with is I'm out here doing the best I can, trying to be the best person I can be, being kind and generous to everybody. And I'm sure there are plenty of people who go to church every Sunday and who have accepted Jesus, but are complete jerks and do nothing to add value to society, right? So my question is, and you probably say he doesn't have to choose, but if God's sitting up there choosing between the person who has, again, followed those rules and accepted him and gone to church, but is not very kind versus the person who doesn't really think about religion, but is kind to everybody, like who gets rewarded at the end? Who actually gets into heaven? So the uh, uh, I'll I'll upfront say that I also believe that uh, salvation is granted as a gift hmm. that is is given to those who trust in Jesus to give them the gift. So I don't know that your relative how they phrase their faith or or how they've come across things. Uh, but you just illustrated something to me that I think is a key mistake that many Christians make. So I'll answer your question in two parts. One of the okay. mistakes that, that many, uh, many of us make is we forget that the Scripture says when you're sharing about your hope, do so with gently, do so gently and respectfully. It says do so uh, gently and respectfully. And I don't hear that a lot. And so I, and I think to myself, I was like, that's not a great representation of the Jesus we claim to uh, serve and the Jesus we come we claim to worship. So um, I, you know, I, I I think it's a shame and a missed opportunity uh, to to ultimately you know be an ambassador of, of Christ's message and Christ's person when somebody doesn't display gentleness and respect. And so I, I just I thought that was interesting that you you brought that up because I think that that right there is what prevents conversations like this from happening. And yet I hear Christians all the time say, I want to have conversations with people who don't right. share my faith. And I'm thinking, well, you'll never have it. You will never have it because you're not you're not showing yourself to be someone that can hold that conversation without turning it into something that demeans somebody else. You put, no. you put people on the defensive right away. I was once at a conference with another mutual friend of ours, and this woman came up and sat down and just asked me point blank, do you have Jesus in your heart? And I was like, uh, I don't know what that means, but I don't think so. And, and she was like, well, why not? And started like pressuring me. Mm-hmm. And now I'm on the defensive and thinking, I want nothing to do with this. I want nothing to do with it. I don't even know how to get out of How do I get they, out of here? They, they say that's a possible. great way to, to get a telemarketer off the phone, though, if you ever want to do that. You, you can turn oh, yeah. into an evangelist that way. They, you know, just ask <laughs> them about their faith. Maybe that's what she was trying to do. Um, but yeah, so, and I, I like your question because you're saying, all right, what about the person? Like, what about the guy who loves his family, he does his job, he, yeah. he provides value to other people and, and, and yet yeah. doesn't trust in Jesus? Right. And then what about, you know, the person that, that is in church every week, says they trust in Jesus, but they're just a lazy bum. They're disrespectful to their to their wife. They're disrespectful to their children. They're yep. really just a leech on society. They're not really doing a whole lot to contribute value in any regard. Right. And uh, and so and it's like, which one goes to heaven? And I and my answer to that is neither deserves it because nobody deserves heaven. Mm. Nobody did like specifically me. I don't deserve heaven. So like right. I, I've, I've been a pastor for nearly 25 years now, and I'm not going to come before you and say, I deserve heaven. The only thing I deserve from God is separation from him. 
And so my faith teaches when I, and I'm actually the book of the Bible, this is from, I'm actually preaching through it right now. Ephesians uh, chapter two talks about this, uh, talks about the fact that salvation is a matter of grace, meaning it is an undeserved gift. So no mm-hmm. matter who gets it, nobody can come before God and say, I deserve this. So yeah. I can't come before God with a list. I can't say, Lord, look at all the things I preached. But look what everything I did. I, yeah. And I wrote like the, I wrote a book and I, and I did yeah. all these things. And uh, I can't, I cannot stand before him, my faith and, and, and say that and claim that because the truth is the only thing I could do is I could, I will someday stand before him and I will say, I don't deserve any of your goodness. I really don't. I don't deserve this. Like even my best thing isn't, good enough to deserve your holiness. It doesn't match mm. your holiness. And so true Christian faith actually teaches that none of us deserves it. And that was the whole reason Jesus came in the first place. And anyone that acts like they deserve it misses the whole point. It's basically like saying you didn't even need Jesus to to atone for your sin. You didn't even need Jesus to offer you the gift of salvation because yeah. somehow you already had it. And it's a complete corruption of what scripture actually teaches about the subject. It's very aligned with the way I try to approach life. And I get this. I didn't make this up. I think I get this from Stoic philosophy. And we can get into that as well, because I have some questions and, and comments there. Uh, I'm a big follower of Stoic philosophy. And you know, one of the, the tenets of that is to live life with you know, few expectations and no entitlement, right? So we're not entitled to anything. Um, when we go about uh, life expecting that we're going to get something because we do something, we're setting ourselves up for disappointment, right? And we, we, nobody likes those people who go, you know, they're act entitled or, you know, they did something nice for you. So now they're waiting for you to do something nice for them right. um, when it may not be the time when you're going to do that. And uh, I, don't, I don't really like disappointment, right? So I try to give to others with no expectations go about life, not expecting anything. And I think it's a much more fun way to live too. I mean, you're, you're, you've written way more books than I have, right? But we're both authors putting stuff out there. Every single review, every single positive affirmation or comment I get from people, every time someone tells me I help them or make an impact or that they like what I'm doing, I'm like genuinely surprised and excited and happy because I don't go about the life expecting that I'm going to get these things um, until they happen. Uh, and so I think we're, I think we're pretty aligned there. I like that. Um, uh, whose turn is it? Is, my t- is it your turn or my t- It's my turn, right? It's your turn. Um, all right. So you, you tend to strike me as an optimistic person. In the year right. and a half that I've known you, like, I, I, again, I've seen you go through very difficult things. And so my next curiosity question about what goes on inside your heart, where do you derive your sense of hope and optimism? Wow, wow. That's a deep question. Um, I don't know. I am very optimistic. I am very hopeful. Um, I believe in, you know, progress and the positive and the greatness of humanity and the world. And I, I guess part of it is I just, I, I think it's more fun to be on that side. I like that, you know, I keep bringing it back to politics, right? But like so often people come to me and at large and say like, oh, isn't this terrible that we we're so divisive in our society. We don't get along and um, we can't get anything done. And, you know, I'll look at it and say, well, that may be true. It can be frustrating, but it's been worse before. Right. Mm-hmm. And 
things are getting better, right? We have more civil rights. We have um, better environmental protections. We have, um, you know, I think still plenty of religious freedoms, right? We have all these things that make our society great, at least in the United States. It's different in every country and culture. Um, but I, I tend to often look at the bright side while not ignoring the fact that sometimes things need to be changed. Um, and I like having hope, um, the audacity to ho- of hope to uh, quote uh, a, uh, a famous president. Um, but I just, I think that, you know, and, and maybe there's a connection here in the way you think about Christianity, even if you're thinking about doing the right things and getting into heaven or wherever it is that you're going to go. Um, I think that involves positivity and hope, right? Um, but I, I also, I guess, see as part of my mission to add value to the world. I'm, I'm on this mission to really get the most out of life and, and inspire other people to do the same. And I want to bring energy and enthusiasm and joy to every conversation, every room that I enter. And so I think I kind of just continue to reinforce that with myself, not that I don't have my challenging moments, uh, right? But I feel like I can be a beacon of hope for others if I'm going to be positive and hopeful. Um, and I just don't see the point of being on the other side of that and being negative and complaining and just like thinking, you know, I have had this ongoing debate, this text debate with a friend of mine who's just very angry and down about where things are going with our country. And and obviously like a lot of things going on with the vaccine and everything. And kind of my response is always kind of like, no, I think we're going to be fine. I think we're going to figure this out. We're going to head in the right direction. Like you may not agree with everything that's going on, but I think we're going to be okay. I believe in progress and humanity and that we'll do the right things. Um, some people might call that naive, but I, I think it's a more fun way to live. Okay. All right. Very good. Yeah. I was curious about that. Cause uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things that that I would look at and I, I think, okay, I know where I'm finding my, my sense of hope. And, um, and, you know, mm. I think I, I, I wonder, you know, when someone comes from a different perspective, what motivates them? I, I consider myself a very hopeful yeah. person and, yeah. uh, and I know where it's, where it's coming from and what's going on in the back of my mind on my worst days and, and how I'm able to see beyond certain things. And, and so, so if I could just address that, because I think um, what I'm hearing from you is, is sort of the crux of that question is you gain a lot of your hope and positivity and perspective on life from religious context, from your uh, perspective on things and what you've learned from Jesus and the Bible and, and things like that. And, and since I don't have those, where am I getting it? Is that? Yeah, like, yeah, because I'm waking up each day believing that God's got my life in his hands. Yeah. And that if something happens to me today, it's going to be for a reason and something mm. good will come from it. And so yeah. that helps me deal with some things that are very unsavory, you know, over the course of life. I think, you know what, this is, this has a purpose. There's a yeah. purpose and someday God will show me why he allowed this to happen. Yeah. And so I, I take a lot of hope in that. It's so funny because I think we have, we are, we have so much in common. It's just a difference of this little thing, right? Cause I wake up every day. Um, with this confidence that I have my life in my hands, right? Not, not God, but it's me and that I have an opportunity to make an impact and to do great things. Um, and that I am working on building a legacy and making an impact on the world. And that drives me, right? To kind of continue to do great things. And this idea of purpose, I believe that, uh, I don't know if I go as far as to say everything happens for a reason, but I do believe when we go through challenging situations that um, they do happen for us. They do often happen for a reason. For instance, I went through cancer so that 
I could share that so that I could, first of all, gain empathy for others who go through, um, you know, tough times and diseases. Um, but second of all, so that I can share my story and make an impact and help others who will go through the same thing. And so I've been writing about it and sharing on you know, social media. And I think it gives me purpose behind it. And then as far as like where this stuff comes back, come, I think it's for me, it's just a deep study of a lot of personal development, uh, you know, related topics, mindfulness. I've done, uh, I don't know, over a thousand days of meditation. Um, I, like I said, I'm a big fan of the, of the Stoics. Um, I read a book called The Daily Stoic by Ryan Holiday that is 366 daily meditations from the Stoics. And I read that almost every day. And I've often referred to that as my Bible. And I think that they're in reading that and also reading some of what you wrote in your book, lessons that have come from the Bible. I see a lot of alignment. I see like there's, there's some overlap and I've wondered, Hmm, you know, the Bible I think was written after many of these Stoics lived was much of the teachings in the Bible influenced by that, uh, which is, you know, a whole nother question to, to ponder. Sure. Yeah. All right. Your turn. Okay. And I know we're getting short on time too. Yeah. We, this is probably going to be the finale. This is going to be uh, our last question here. All right. And I would be up for a part two as well. Yeah. <laughs> I, I kind of, this time went quicker than I thought it would. I know, right? so, it does. All right. Um, okay. Here's a big one. Ooh, I don't know if I'm trying to get into this, but I, <laughs> as I was reading your book and before that I was reading a, um, so my children went to this uh, Christian child development center connected with the church. And when they finished school, uh, the pastor sent my kids home with these like junior Bibles, if you will. And my son wanted me to read it to him. It's like, okay, we'll read it and, and see what's in there. Um, my big takeaway from reading some of the stories was that God has a huge ego. And, <laughs> and in all my studies of stoicism, it's like, okay, we want to try to minimize the ego to get the most out of life. Ego, ego is often what gets in the way of people. Ryan Holiday also wrote a book called Ego is the Enemy. Um, and I wonder if you see it that way. And, and the way I, the reason I say that God has a big ego is because every story is kind of like um, people stopped worshiping or loving God the way he wanted. So he smited everybody and, you know, hit the reset button or threw everybody down a pit and said, okay, we're going to start over, we're flooded the earth and we're going to start over. And I'm kind of like, man, God keeps getting his feelings hurt. <laughs> like, <laughs> like what is going on? Like, why can't he take this sort of stuff? So I'm curious what your perspective is on that. Do you see that as ego or is that something completely different? Um, I, I, I see it different, but I'll make a quick comment about children's Bibles. I've started to yeah. become pretty selective, even with uh, in our church context, what children's Bibles we share, because yeah. some uh, <laughs> it's, it's actually interesting, like some actually are counterproductive to to teaching what scripture actually teaches, where I've, I've noticed a lot this of- one was uh, for me, I'll tell you that much. Yeah, right. Like, we can't well, read this book anymore. Well, what I started noticing was that a lot of um, a lot of popular children's Bibles were treating the Bible like it's just a book of rules and heroes, and it was missing the point of what the Bible's actually teaching. The Bible is trying to teach us that, that we have, there's a loving God who created humanity in his image and uh, offers us the opportunity to have eternal and perfect fellowship with him as basically like the apple of his eye. We, we rebelled against him. We broke that fellowship. And he looked at us with compassion and said, you mess this all up and I'm going to fix it all. And, mm. uh, and, and the Bible is all pointing to Christ, who is the solution for the problems we've created. And so that's how I look at it. And, the, and then with, but a, a lot of, uh, I've noticed a lot of children's Bibles 
sometimes kind of fail to make that point. There's one really good one, though. Uh, they call it, It's called the Jesus Storybook Bible, and that's the children's Bible that we have started using at our church to kind of introduce children to the stories because it kind of shows the the main narrative of what Scripture is actually talking about. Mm. Um, but as far as like the ego thing, I, the way I look at it is like this. Um, so if if I said that Andy Storch can write a book, would I be saying something true? Yes. Yeah. So it's not. And if you said of yourself, I can write a book. It, it, uh, yeah, you've done it. Right. Yes. So, um, you know, and if I if I tell you, you know, I, I can uh, host a podcast, you'd be like, well, yeah, no kidding. You host three. Now I'm starting right. a fourth one. Right. So it's yeah. not really like a braggy thing. It's just a statement of fact. But sure. if, if I said to you, I can speak creation into existence, you'd be like, all right, John, you're full of yourself. Like you're <laughs> acting like you, you do all of this. Yeah. You can't like the earth does not revolve around you. Right, but if right. God says, I can speak creation into existence, he's making a statement of fact. Sure. And so, so when uh, somebody, you know, walking this earth acts like they are God, and basically mm-hmm. says, all right, you know, you're acting like you're the one that can speak creation into existence, and yet you can't. So you're living a lie. Whereas God, when he says, I can speak creation into existence, and I can give you hope beyond your current circumstances, and I can rescue and redeem even the, you know, the, the most distant person. Like, he's making statements of fact uh, about things that only he can do in his uniqueness. And so to yeah. me, it's not an ego thing. To well, me, if I could interrupt you, and I'm sorry, I'm not talking about things like that, because, Hey, people can say what they can do. And if they can back it up, you know, that's not ego. Like he's just saying he can speak creation to existence. When I'm talking about ego, I'm talking about ego gets in the way for people when, you know, fear holds them back from doing things when their feelings are hurt and they don't do things. Um, they're, they're enforcing, um, you know, imaginary rules. So, um, I'm thinking more of, I, you know, I told you to worship me and you didn't, therefore I'm going to, you know, like I said, push the reset button, flood the earth. Uh, you know, I'm trying to remember if we had more time, I, I would, I'd love to like, you know, go through the story of Adam and Eve, because I think it's, it could be a potential, we, you know, we good have example. To do this, we have to do this yeah, again we, for sure. But uh, so to, to, I'll sum up with like a, an answer yeah, to that, yeah. that direct statement there. Yeah. I, I think what God is doing is he's saying, listen, it is to your peril for you to worship yourself and for mm. you to, and for you to not acknowledge who I am and the fact that I am the source of life means Hmm. that you are in effect going to worship yourself. And if you worship yourself, that's going to be to your peril. And I care too much about you not to intervene. So that's how I interpret those very same stories. And, um, and fair enough. And I think it's important to, to delineate too. I've said, when you said you wake up every day with the confidence that God loves you and will take care of you. And I said, I wake up every day, the confidence that, you know, I am in control and I can do things. Um, I don't by any means worship myself. I think it's important to love yourself. I do love myself. Uh, and I also love others and believe I can learn from anybody and everybody as I know you do as well. Uh, and I think as long as we keep approaching things with that curious, humble mindset, and also have confidence that we can go out and do things on our own and love ourselves like we love others, uh, I think we're going to be in good shape either way. There are very few people that I would dare to have a conversation like I just had with my friend, Andy Storch. 
And uh, because, I mean, you could see, like, even as we kind of clarify our viewpoints and things like that, one of the things I appreciate about Andy is that at no point along the way here did we turn this into an argument. And so, Andy, if you have an open invitation, if you ever want to do this again and and kind of like come up with a new set of questions, I I would love to make this a tradition where we do this from time to time, because I I found this very enjoyable. And I know you need to run because you've got a bunch of things going on. But again, if you if you have not stopped by Andy's website, stop by Andy Storch.com. You can check out his book, Own Your Career, Own Your Life. And Andy, I appreciate your friendship and I appreciate our conversation today. Likewise, buddy, John, thank you so much for this opportunity. I absolutely think we should do this again. I think there's more questions, more we can discuss and explore, and hopefully more ways we can help people think about things, whether it reinforces their faith or um, you know, causes them to just think about how they're leading their own life and their own career. Uh, that's, that's what this stuff is all about. I love it. Andy, thank you so much. Thank you. What do you do when the world around you is falling apart? It's amazing to me how many people are breathing air. They're going about their business and doing the things you're supposed to do. But if you really ask them, they know that on the inside, they are spiritually and emotionally and relationally dead. If we're not careful, all of us can experience that death. When what we need to do, even as the world around us is falling apart, we need to learn how to march when it would be easier to stay where we are and die. Join me each week on the March or Die show as we discuss that and so much more.